As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. Welcome to Episode 10, Season 5 of the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This episode, we have Warren Douglas. He likes leading and supporting Canadian small and medium enterprises and startups in developing personal business plans, sales, and general operations. Welcome to the show, Warren. Hi. Thanks very much for having me. Pleasure, pleasure. Warren is a seasoned professional with 20-plus years of diverse leadership roles of multiple capacities, who is looking to leverage his skills, network, and expertise to venture into his passion of land-based aquaculture. He possesses a strong expertise in the end-to-end aquaculture process from research, design, contracting, and commissioning to be able to create time and cost efficiencies, as well as fast-track project startup. Welcome again, Warren. I'm so glad you're here on the show. Thanks. That's a bit dizzying. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all good. All good. So this episode is for you if you want to gain insights on the topic of what Catalyst Aquaculture is about with a mission to offering low-risk entry into the land-based aquaculture space utilizing clean RAS technology and strategic integration to provide modular farms plans supplying local Canadian markets. So I'd like to ask you my first question. I know that you mentioned that you'd like to focus on our interview on your team or group effort. But it's paramount that people get to know the leader, the coach, the mentor in you as well to get an idea why people follow a certain individual in certain ways. So how did you get into this industry, Warren? It was a a relationship bridge that I had with a previous food service client that was entrepreneurial in spirit. This family came back with some indoor vertical land-based plans from Texas and uh, they were intrigued about feeding the world. So the initial idea of the land-based, whatever farm it was going to be, aquaculture, yeah, intrigued me. So the family reached out to me and we opened the first page of aquaculture and started our learning back in October of 2014. Wow, that must have been a ride from there. Big changes that happened in the rust industry since 2014. And one of the things that I like on your profile is that you're very specific about what projects you enjoy working on. So maybe when you were talking about you work on projects that are meaningful in the local food space, especially in team leadership, team building, business development, maybe you can expand more. What's the rationale behind that? Was there something that happened that you didn't like that made you so focused? 
<laughs> well, I think at my age and with, with my tenure as I've already completed my career in corporate food service, national broadline distribution, lots of moving parts, lots of people required to get the boxes in and out of the building every day. So I stepped away from that in 2012, started working with local farmers. 2014 was the shrimp farm opportunity. We developed it and I phoned a couple of my mentors and I simply said, guys, I'm like way over my head here. I have no idea. So they just said, no, you got it. So I just started doing my digging and yeah, I'll take a quick opportunity to acknowledge our professor, Dr. Addison Lawrence. Unfortunately, we lost Addison last week due to an illness, but he had a, an amazing life. So they had the, uh, the services in Missouri this weekend and uh, yeah, so RIP Addison. So the Broadline Food Service, it was all about the team. So I brought in Tim Hayes from the UK and Tim and I basically started unfolding or reverse engineering. What does the market need? It needs fresh shrimp. Why do they need it? Well, the imported shrimp, 700,000 kilos coming into Canada every year are basically tainted or non-inspected. So although the government CFIA says, hey, we're going to protect you and we're going to have this Safe Food for Canadians Act. However, we're not going to you know, check shrimp that knowingly have antibiotic resistant bacteria and the government let us buy it on a weekly basis and then we end up in the hospitals and it's the same saga so having a beyond organic shrimp was reverse engineered what is the market going to pay where are we going to produce it how are we going to produce it let's reduce all of the risks and let's go for it so tim and i went for it and we started adding the team and then the team basically became the energy. Um, without the knowledge of Matt in early life support or Eric in the building, Tim in general broad uh, sciences and attaching the sciences to the business plan, where and when it was applicable, without the team, we were not going to be successful. And that's basically how some of my mentors put their businesses together. They surrounded themselves with really, really special people. So I basically just emulated that plan. So. Thank you. And it's good to hear the word reverse engineering. I think a lot of people who doesn't have the technical background have used this methodology to be able to put the industry to the next level. Yeah, And I can really relate to that because I'm kind of on the same boat, not technical, well, but can solve a problem. <laughs> yeah, I can solve problems, but I don't have a bunch of initials after my name. But you know what? It's never held me back. And my LinkedIn profile in your introduction is dizzying. I've done a lot of different things, but oh boy, land-based aquaculture you know, we're doing some work in the seaweed space right now. You know, the shrimp is very, very much alive. Our resource for shrimp is currently running one of the largest hatcheries down in Ecuador and learning all about that. So, yeah, I mean, our resources for catalyst aquaculture are deep. They're diverse. They're meaningful. They're the right people. There's no egos. We do not allow e egos are not allowed in this program. And I've run across enough in my corporate world. So I'm tapping out on egos. They don't serve us. We need a little bit of competitive edge, but you know we need to have that imbalance. And I think that's the secret. So what's the most challenging project that you and your team worked on? I know you shared with me winning and losing a team is losing one of those challenges. So maybe you can yeah. explain more on that. Yeah. So Lords, our production tanks, we had 48 production tanks on the bears and shrimp farm. Each production tank of our business plan calculations. So we were going to have some mortality in the first 30 days, then we were going to have another set of mortality within the next 30 days and 30 days. So we're 90 days. Now we're 120 days. Now the budget 
our growing budget said, we need the shrimp off the farm in 120 days. So we were given 120 days to get these guys as big as we possibly could. And we struggled and struggled. And let's just say a tank was to yield 500 pounds. We would harvest a complete tank and get 40 pounds. So if I had 400 pounds worth of orders, we literally had to take 12 tanks offline in order to fill it. It was catastrophic. It wasn't sustainable. So we literally pulled the farm offline and our biggest problem, and it is the biggest problem with all land-based agriculture. We didn't build a shrimp farm. We built a wastewater treatment center for the shrimp in the end. So our RAS designer who's out there saying, hey, we're super successful and everything. No, we weren't. Our RAS design killed us. And we learned so much about it that we're not going vertical anymore. Everything's on the ground. So I can get really frustrated, but I'm a positive, optimistic human being. And I'm driven and I'm competitive. I'm in shape. I play hockey three times a week. I have a different role on each one of my hockey teams. One team I arrive, play defense, get changed and go home. That's it. That's all they need me for. There's another team that I got to organize these silly buggers at over 50 years old, and they can't commit to a ice time at 730 on Monday night every week. Oh, it's hilarious. It's so, so fascinating what you mentioned about, you can probably say this again so that I can say it right. You build a system that's actually for shrimp. How did you say that? Because that was eloquently yeah. mentioned. We, yeah, Lords, we... Our intentions, our business plan said, we're building a shrimp farm. No, we built a wastewater treatment center for the shrimp. And then through that whole process, again, from sales and marketing, food service, 30 plus years, we nicknamed it the shrimp spa. That's wonderful. (laughs) So our marketing gal, Tamara Brooks, October 17, out of Port Moody, wonderful gal, you know, I just said to Tamara, if someone saw our shrimp in our tanks, I picture a shrimp swimming on their back, spitting water out of their mouths, holding an umbrella drink with sunglasses on. And they're loving life. They got the water temperature, the pH, the acidities, the ammonias, they're all in balance. The food's coming in on a regular basis and life is good. All we asked them to was get along which the Pacific white lake species loves to get along with each other to a point. Yeah. And grow. That was it. And we wanted to keep all of the stresses out of their lives. So the RAS design has come a long way, Lord, I will give you that. But when the RAS designers in their first paragraph, tell me that they're going to match the biological challenges of whatever species they're going to grow, the timeline that they want to grow it in, the optimal water quality, and how the RAS is going to support those three pillars. They never, ever complete the three. Always something missing. And they, oh no, every farm is different. So we have to just get it built and then we'll just fine tune it like a race car engine. So I'm frustrated. I've got my resources. My RAS guys, unfortunately, they do not come from British Columbia. I will preface everything from the beginning. I support local everything everywhere i go it's 100 local you can check me out on google maps or google guides or whatever i do the whole thing live in the community of pit meadows i'm part of the community we need our food coming as close to home as we possibly can 
we need to do right things with our aquaculture. If we can help science and do regenerative work or restorative work, then those are things that aquaculture can contribute as well. So it's not about planting and harvesting and value adding and building a business so you can sell it. You know, a group of investors can sell it to the, you know, the multinationals and, you know, the premium brands can continue buying their seafood companies, you know, all over North America and, and keeping hold of, of 40 to 60% of, of what we buy, where we buy it and how we buy it. Yeah. So the small to medium enterprise guys, the grassroots guys, we've got a place and we just can't listen to the rhetoric. I'm so glad that you mentioned about, you know, the shrimp spa, because what came to my mind, obviously I love spas, but what came to my mind is taking care of the animals. This whole industry is about protecting the animals so that they can grow in such a way that is natural to their surrounding ecology. So when you were talking about the RAS pillars, and I know that you've been doing land-based and with shrimp, and maybe I can pick your brain a little bit on this. So with the species that we cultivate, it's mostly underwater. And we didn't have any problem with the feed because they just feed under the water. So if we try to bring this shellfish that takes 10 years to grow, it's going to kill the business because it's not natural for them to be inland. Do you have other challenges that sounded like that were in you have to transfer them from their underwater to land since you're doing RAS? Maybe you can give our audience and me specifically in farming for shrimp there's two styles two methods there's the open earthen ponds which control 98 percent of the shrimp production and food supply the two percent would be the ras and there really isn't any commercial ras shrimp there are a lot of cool projects that are ongoing again you know the media does a great job of sensationalizing the same story over and over and over again where there isn't any true commercial valuation put on these companies yet. So you haven't heard of a shrimp farm being sold because someone wants to, to corner the market on shrimp supply. We're going to get there. It's going to be modular farms that we can plant outside of Canadian cities, and it'll be a turnkey operation, just like a franchise. Now, that's the overarching from 60,000 feet. How we're going to do that as a Canadian government working sciences all of our our internal group is connected with the faculty of land and food systems out of the university of british columbia that's uh, professor ricky yada an amazing human being and look up ricky r-i-c-k-e-y-y-a-d-a he is in love with local foods as well the seaweed guy comes out of the alma mater that i'm working with right now so we just need good stories that prove out concepts tired of hearing the marketing stuff and people looking for the 2 million, 3 million, 12 million, 20 million, 200 million. Yeah. I like what you said about there in terms of obviously making our stories touch more lives, obviously the impact that the industry is doing to the livelihood of people, but most importantly in the environmentally ecological friendly way so that we can mm-hmm coexist a species between human beings and seafood obviously but the one thing that i really like when you were talking about both being regenerative and restorative because there's also a new concept now in terms of you know when it's land-based it brings diseases compared to um let's just say it's out in the ocean which you can move right away so what's the main story that 
is impactful in such a way that people who think this should not be thinking that because that's not the whole story, obviously. Oh, Lord, I think that that's pretty much everything. I've had the benefit and luxury of having an unscheduled sabbatical from work for the last few months. And then I had six months last year. So I've had a chance to really just to slow down. There's so much rhetoric. The, the salmon guys back in the 80s, when we started first selling farm salmon, it was Chinook. Yeah, it was a premium brand, but uh, then that fizzled because you know they were startups and pilots and stuff. You know, the salmon guys are doing way better than what they were doing well before. But the Andrea Mortons of the world don't help when she's helter-skelter every time she gets behind a, or in front of a camera. It's like politics. There's divisiveness. Uh, the, the ocean guys say there's nothing wrong. The scientists say there could potentially be a risk. Here's some proof. I just say anything in the ocean that has an, a potential effect for any natural species in that same ocean, i.e. Atlantic salmon versus Pacific salmon, then you really need to step back and it cannot be commercialized until all of the sciences can be put to bed and that everybody can agree, federal government, scientists, all of the impacted indigenous groups up and down the coast, Coast Salish, the Haida, you know, so all of those people have to be involved. The land-based stuff, you know, we make our water dirty on the shrimp farm. And the biggest challenge of the shrimp farm and, and where I really saw the team come together because we were literally knee deep in shrimp poop was our denitrification system that our RAS designer didn't have in our loop. So Lord, when we had water quality parameters, we had eight that we managed. Some were live, they were done electronically. So we had it on our phones and whatnot, and some were manually. And one of the biggest things is when our water hit capacity and started going outside of the comfort range for the shrimp, we had no capacity to dilute or remove and replace the water. It was on the scale, the economy of scale probably represented a 27% capital cost miss in our planning. Thankfully, the family was resourceful. We got some money from provincial government, Myron Roth, thank you very much, Shirley Choi, DFO. We spent the money very, very wisely, and we saved the water quality parameters on the farm. We had a million liters. We ended up having to add another 40,000 liters that cleaned the water. It looked like chocolate milk on one side of the filter, and on the other side of the membrane bioreactor, it was like water that you could drink. Thank you for mentioning Myron Roth and Shirley Choi. They were really helpful when we did our fact up application. Was that fact up that you guys we did? did? Yeah. Tim Hayes, he was as much leading the team as I was. Tim was in chair one, we called it chair one or chair one A, and I would sit in one B, especially when it came to stuff that Tim was just quicker and smarter at. I just got out of the way and just sat back and, and just watched Tim go to work. So yeah, Eric, on the infrastructure, the pumps, and how we put it all together. Oh, gosh. I could, yeah, Jonathan Vandermeer, we called him Captain Innovation. Young kid came to us with an agriculture degree. He was swinging a hammer at the time, hating life. We brought him in, and he would show up for work. I didn't even know what he did. I just knew that he was improving either getting the shrimp into the tanks or getting the shrimp out of the tanks or getting the shrimp out of the harvest ice baths into the processing room so that all of us as a team could contribute to packaging up the shrimp. I love that designation, Captain Innovation. I want one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, thank you so very much for your time. My biggest yeah. takeaway from our conversation today, and I love the technical aspects of our conversation today, but my biggest takeaway is when you were talking about being on sabbatical. That's something that I think a lot of leaders in the industry are not able to do. So kudos on you for that, because that's a very important aspect on being a leader is creating space for ourselves. That's what sustainable leadership is. So I am so pleased to hear that. I haven't heard a lot of people on my guest panel here that's able to do that. So thank you for sharing that. How can they get in touch with you? Oh, the easiest. And thank you very much for the opportunity again today, Lords. The easiest way is warren at catalystaquaculture.com. Thanks again, Warren. To our subscribers, please do subscribe and review the podcast if you have time. Know that you help build a home in the Philippines via B1G1.com when you listen to our episode. Thanks, Warren. And thank you all. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Keep safe. Thank you for listening. And I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.